all heaven fast. <laughs> said the devil knew that. He tied up the other one because he knew if you kept doing that, something great would happen. So he said, what I'm going to do is bless him when he goes to fish and gets in just in time so he'll forget to pray. I'll just say, you, know, you got to watch the devil. He's, he's a shrewd operator. Yes, sir. Come on. But prayer never fails. It may seem to fail, but it don't. And the devil knows that. Now, the old Antichrist, you talk about when he takes over. Of course, now you fellas got your own ideas about everything in the world about this. Yeah, you get off of that, you get off into the deep water, and I ain't watching nobody about it. But uh, I never have felt like he'd bring air. Now the whole world's going to wonder after But I find in my Bible that uh, there were certain nations escaped his hand. I find where there's uh, nations that don't like him, they're making war with the old boy. Right. So he ain't ruling them. When he takes on flesh, God's going to make that old throne of his feel like a electric chair. He's going to have sores break out on him from his nose down. A sore will fall that nobody can cure. He's going to rage and roar for a while, but that's that's the last go round. <laughs> And he finally comes down and he gets on the throne. God's going to really work his hide over. But right now, you and I can torment him. The other day I got to praying and I said, Now, God, I want you to hear my prayer. I said, I, I, I hate the devil. I said, I want to work him over today. <laughs> And uh, I said, there's one thing you can't stand, and that's the blood. So I plead the blood and command him to see it. In Jesus' name, Satan, I command you to see the blood dropping down from Calvary. Every second you bat, every time you bat your eyes, I command you to see it. I command you to hear it as it spatters upon the ground. In Jesus' name, I command you to hear it. Satan, I command you, every child, the silent scream of the unborn being... Aborted. I command that smothering, gasping for breath to come upon you. All the cancer patients that's dying, I said, you brought it about. I said, God, make him suffer here. Don't wait till you put him in the pit. I said, turn the pressure on him. He's hurting the church. He's making church people sick and putting cancer on them, heart trouble. I said, please, in Jesus' name, let him feel some of the things that he's doing. He said, well, you think he could? Yes, he's, he has emotions. He can get scared. He had great wrath because he knew his time is short. It's scaring the daylights out of him. I said, one day, I said, devil, I said, you have been smarting around here about the mark of the beast scaring the daylights of ever, out of everybody. I said, I'm asking God to do something special for me. I like to take all the joy out of everything for the devil if I can. Because he's always after us. Why don't we get after him? I said, you just 
you just uh, gloating over that 666. You just said, oh boy, 666. And I said, now Lord, I, I want you to do one thing for T.W. Barnes. I want you to put seven years over that 666. Every time Satan sees 666, he sees seven years. And that's all she wrote, buddy. You got seven little short years. And then the pits, boy. <laughs> seven years and the chains, boy. You're fixing to get the chains in just seven little years. And you have lived millions of years. And little seven years, that's just like three days. So every time he looks at it, seven years. Seven years. Well, the Lord said we could hinder him. Don't you think that would hinder him? Amen. Make him miss a meal or something or another. Praise the Lord. We are called and ordained with power and authority to destroy the works of the devil. Now, we can't destroy the devil yet, but we can destroy his works. Let me illustrate. Over every city, there's a pyramid. Principality, spiritual wickedness in high places up there. And they got demons that work down this pyramid. And then down into the city, they got human beings that they can work with political and the underworld and everything. These all work for the angels up there against the church and everything. Now, it may take him years to build that pyramid and get it all set up. But my Bible says, when you wake up and understand the revelation, we can destroy the works of the devil in Jesus' name. We can cave it in. We can smash his pyramid that he's spent years building in one good blast of prayer. And he's got to start over. That's the way we hinder his works. We hinder the work of the devil by tearing down what he builds up. Now, I told you this. I told this in Jackson, brother. I've had uh, contact with a lot of witches. But this particular witch was uh, one I was talking, a different one I was talking about last night. That last night, there's a fellow calling me. He's going to marry her. He said, I've got a witch here, and I'm going to marry her. So said, I want to see if you can deliver. <laughs> Some people will marry anything, wouldn't they? <laughs> but this one came. One of my members, that she had just came to my city, and one of the members got her to come to my office. She was born in Germany, reared in black magic. Her parents before her were, were witches. She was one of the kind that was in black magic and could move objects. And uh, so she came in, she just sort of walking the floor, real nervous, you know. She said, I don't know why I come over here. I said, uh, Satan is my God. I worship Satan. She said, Satan answers prayer. I said, yours don't. I said, I've talked to him, but he don't talk to me. I said, no. You'd get right, he would. But she said, I have a key hanging on my door. I said, I always ask Satan before I go, is it all right? And said, I asked him, was it all right? I said, if it's all right, it swings to the right. And if it's not all right, it swings to the left. 
And he said, I asked about coming over here to see you, and said, it swung to the right. I don't understand it. I said, I don't either. I said, I don't know why. But Satan don't ha make a habit of sending his clients over here to me. <laughs> but uh, she said, I'll show you that my God has power, and yours don't. I said, oh, what, what do you mean? She said, watch these big lights. That's some lights. And she said, I'm going to swing them, show you what my God can do. I said, all right. I said, I'll tell you what. Your God can't do nothing in my office. You can't move a toothpick. <laughs> she leaped to her feet. Her eyes are dancing like snake eyes. And I knew she knew how. But the demon couldn't work. And so, she said, well, you're right. I said, have you ever had any spirits by your bed at night? I said, oh, yeah, good and bad. And uh, she told my member going home, she said, he won't sleep tonight. I said, I'm sending my spirits over there. She said, you don't know my pastor. I said, he'll sleep. Unless he's out trying to help somebody. But anyway, I knew what she was going to do. So before I went to bed, I was real tired. I said, now, Lord... In the name of Jesus, I take authority and dominion over her spirits, and I command them to go back and do to her what she told them to do to me. <laughs> well, a couple of days later, I got a telephone call. It was the witch. She said, Preacher. I said, Yeah. She said, I'm about to go crazy. I'm about to climb the wall. I said, What's the matter? I was playing real innocent. I knew what happened. She said, my spirits, that's always obeyed me. Wherever I told them to go, they went. But said, they're standing by my bed. They won't move day or night. They just stick there. I said, well, you see, you couldn't move nothing in my office, you know. And I said, when you sent them over here, I said, uh, I sent them back and told them to do to you what you told them to do to me. And she said, what am I going to do? I said, the best thing to do is repent. Ask the Lord to forgive you. I said, you have a demonstration that my God does have power over your God. Yes. And your demons have no power. And I said, the next time you try to send your demons around, you better check it out and see if it's a United Pentecostal preacher or a saint that has the Holy Ghost. Because you're liable to get them pitched right back into your house. Then she said, well, I put a curse on my mother-in-law and she's dying. She said, I, I feel bad about it now. I said, you've told me things nobody ever told me in my life. Said, I've been to psychiatrists. I've been to... I told her other things about herself. The Holy Ghost did. I said, you witches project your curses upon people through hate. I said, if you'll stop hating your mother-in-law and love her, it'll break the spell. She said, that's hard to do. I said, she'll die and her blood will be on your hands if you don't. But I tell you that this, these spirits slip into our church sometimes through people that profess to be all right. They have backslid. And another spirit came 
and they can give a pastor more trouble if he don't discern that and know it than he could ever dream of. They work hard in the church, but they're not quite for the pastor. Just a little something there always. We have the authority to bind these spirits, to walk through our church at the midnight hours and plead the blood until no devil can come near. We have the authority in Jesus' name to not only bind demons, but human spirits that's fighting the Holy Spirit. Now, this is our right. And if we let it go on, it's our fault. I know one fellow said, said, I don't know, said, I've got some strange things that I... In my church, he said, uh, the evangelists won't even stay. None of them in the evangelistic quarters said the doorknobs turn at night. And uh, sometimes the service is so oppressed until you just can't breathe hardly. I said, you got a woman in your church with a familiar spirit that's perhaps professing to be a Christian. She has let Satan take over and begin to use her. And I said, if you'll check it out in your mind right now, I said, when a man comes to preach a revival that's in tune with God against demonic power, she stays home. He said, I know who you're talking about. It broke the spell, stopped the doorknob turning. Now, these things happen. And some of these people don't know they're witch, but they're being used by a spirit. Clean the place by pleading the blood, calling upon the name of Jesus Christ. A lot of these poor saints need help. They need deliverance from oppression, from wanting to fight against the ministry. Well, tomorrow, the greatest revival the world's ever seen is here. If we stay put 100%, our doctrine... Our holiness, our standards, multitudes of people will come to our doors. They're sick and tired. They're restless out there now. They begin to see it. Many of them are seeing the name of Jesus Christ. Whole assemblies being baptized in Jesus' name. And if the same Lord that revealed that to them will reveal standards also unto them. You see... I said a while ago, if a man's on fire, I had a young feller. Well, I won't say anything about that, though. But anyway, I said, son, if you pray six or eight hours every once in a while, I said, you wouldn't be troubled with that. Let me tell you something. Your members are not going to believe unless you believe. That's right. If you're not totally convicted on the thing and believe it from your heart, they'll begin to. Although you don't say a thing about it. You had opened your mouth to nobody. But there's something about a preacher. What he when he preaches, they pick up. There's something in the voice of a man. There's faith, there's love, warmth.
Well, there's heat. Coldness. Fear. You know, the old cow can eat the bitter weeds. And I used to wonder how five bites of bitter weeds could ruin all my milk. And there ain't no way to sweeten it. You can pour sugar in it. You know that. And bitter weeds gets in that cow's stomach and gets in the milk. And whenever a preacher let bitterness get in his heart or he don't believe something, the first thing you know, it's projected right out. And the thing that he will stand and never do, he won't do it, but he don't really believe it's essential. There will be dozens in his church doing what he has never opened his mouth and said he believed, but they'll do it anyway. When we preach, we need to believe what we preach. Amen. That good old Jesus name message is still vibrating with power when you preach it in love and apostolic power. It's still there. Amen. All right, Brother Kraft. I guess maybe I'm through here. And... speaking, I wrote down a, a question. Uh, how do you pray in faith in what preachers call a burnt field? Uh, I guess uh, that's just an expression. Uh, we used to go out in the woods and get these old pine knots been burnt over. And there's Richard and the rest of them. Just chop it, <laughs> <laughs> Just chop it open, brother. You have kindling and, and burn over field. There's some souls out there. Let's go after it. He's going to move in mysterious ways in these last days. But as I go, I still work on a job, and I'm not holding down no pastorals yet. But, but I witness to a lot of people that's really on fire for God and these charismatic movements and the full gospel movement. And I've condemned them, and I've seen their wishy-washy and their non-standard ways. And us as patriotics, the, the people have lost confidence 
in our politicians and our leaders because they have lost their standard and they're, they're, they, they cannot put their trust in them. But now I'm believing that God is actually moving. The charismatic and the full gospel movement is not maybe the work of the devil, but it's God pouring out His Spirit in the Baptist. And in the Catholicism, which I have came out of, the charismatic movement, it's God pouring out His Spirit. No doubt about it, they have not the truth. That's why we must stand on our truth of You're right, Brother Ben. We cannot out-preach our standard. we got to stand firm. And I know he comes against us. I know I had men... When we was having a conference the first time in Louisville, I was praying. We was going through some things, and I said, Lord, show me something. A lot of times the Lord speaks to me in dreams. I've had visions and dreams. Uh, Sometimes somebody lost, and... They, want me to, they don't know where the kids are. Well, I prayed, and, and like one woman, I said, I saw what happened in a dream. I said, your daughter will run away with a fella, got married. You'll hear from her in three days, three days later. Uh, <clears throat> she called and said, Mama, it's me. And uh, a lot of time when the telephone's ringing, I'm seeing it in my sleep. Uh, mother called. She said, my son got lost in the woods. He's drunk, stormed all night. Said, would you pray? Yes. But just before the phone rang, I saw him step, step out in the road. His clothes was torn. I said, don't worry. I said, he just stepped out in the road. He found the road. He's all ragged with running through bar patches, but he'll be in a few minutes, 20 minutes later. She said, my son's home. Said everything's all right. Just what you said. And uh, sometimes I ought to be sick. And just as the phone rang, I'm seeing the problem. That's in my sleep. And that's the Holy Ghost doing that. And uh, so I was praying. I said, Lord, I don't understand all this about the charismatic and all this. I said, Tell me something. So that night I saw there was a highway, and I saw a church. And I knew it was the uh, one God people. And I saw another larger group down here. They were shouting and running and praising the Lord. Then I saw a few of our preachers leave and go over there and begin to commit adultery. And the Spirit said, this is not physical adultery. This is spiritual adultery. This is the people of many gods. He said, this is a church over here. Pray for these people, but this is a church. When we go back to them, we are committing adultery. We worship with the people that worship more than one God and baptize in other ways. We cannot. Now, it's all right to go and see them sometime as ministers and hear I'm not talking against that, you know, and love them and love them. The Spirit said pray for them because they should be coming across the road to us and not us going over there. The preacher that leaves the truth and stop preaching one God and baptism in Jesus' name just to go over there to have fellowship with a big crowd will die and go to hell. testimony you gave today about you speaking to God, let somebody tell you 
that God loves you. I heard the tape, I believe Brother Tenney or somebody else said preaching, he used this example what you've given. And it blessed me tremendously when I heard it the first time. And different preachers have been in my office and I'd sit there and I'd share your testimony with them. And we both would sit there and weep in the Hallelujah. presence of God. And then today to hear you say it again has uh, touched me again. And uh, it shows me that God cares. When we hurt, God hurts. God cares. And somewhere he's going to let us know that he does care. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. Forget it. The charismatic. Many of them receive the Holy Ghost, and we're so glad. We're so happy. But they're going to be looking for a place to go pretty soon. Don't forget that. Now, some of you older ministers heard me tell this, and I'm going to tell it for the sake for these young ministers. These uh, seem like it touched you about the Lord loving us, knowing who we are, where we're at, and where we're working, and everything. And how real that is. I was 
a number of years ago going to Tyler, Texas, to Oral Roberts' meeting. I just wanted to see him in action, see what's going on. I suppose he had the world's largest tent. And uh, But the Lord showed me a week before I went that when I got there, I'd sit on the front seat. And uh, well, when I got there, there was about 10,000 people there. And uh, I told my wife and my daughter and her girlfriend, I said, we're supposed to sit on the front seat tonight. When the Lord says something, you just mark it down. It's that way. I don't care. Nobody can change it. Uh, but me, I could have changed it by not going. Fearful I'd been put on the spot. But I was bold enough to say, well, that's what we're going to sit. We got there 10,000 people. We sat down. Oh, it was a long way from the front. And my wife said, this is a long way from the front. I said, yeah. Usher kept walking by looking at me. They had two seats roped off down the front for special guests. And, of course, you know, old Roberts never had no use for one of his Pentecostal preachers. He wouldn't, he'd have put me outside if he didn't know. But, you see, the usher kept walking by, and the Spirit was talking to him, you know. And he stopped and looked at me, and he said, Would you like to have a front seat? I said, Yes, sure would. And he said, I said, I got my wife and these women. He said, Well, just follow me. Went down there, and he removed the rope. Sitting right where I was, saw in the vision that set right here, and uh, he preached. I looked at him. I didn't get too much out of the service, but uh, I said, "Now, Lord, why did you go to all the trouble to show me where I was going to sit?" He said, "Not just for you, but for my people and my ministers. Tell them that I." don't only know where they're going to sit next week, but next year and through all eternity. Now, preachers, when he knows where you're going to sit, he's got a pretty close check on you. Our names is written in the palms of his hand. He asked the question, can a mother forget her suckling child? He said, yes, she may, but I can never forget you. You're continually before me. Amen. He knew ten years ago. Where you'd be sitting right now. That's the God we serve. He knows. That's why you got to walk before him softly, reverently, holy. He's appeared to me in times I never thought he'd show up there. Now, I wasn't in no bad place, but you know, I don't go to them. I've sat in motels. I'm not condemning nobody else. I sat in motels ever since television came out. I never turned one on in my life. I went in one day and the maid had left one on, and I liked to never get it turned off. Uh, I finally unplugged it from the wall. I didn't know how to, how to turn the thing off. But uh, the Lord knows all about us. He knows our thoughts, our feelings, our needs, our emotional needs. And uh, Brother Kraft 
You can get out the angel food cake, you know. God's preacher, old Jezebel is after him. He's sick and tired and disgusted. That woman was a thorn in his flesh. You ever have one that's a thorn in your flesh? Well, it can be man, too. In a way, he got out there, finally crawled up under that tree. Exhausted. Brother, he'd had it. This prophesying wasn't turning out too well. My goodness, the life, it gets you in trouble. You, everybody ought to believe. But they want to kill you, would you? Huh. You preach a good sermon? I didn't enjoy it. Somebody said, he's preaching to me. But the uh, Lord is good to him. Said the angel, said, <laughs> one of my preachers down there. Oh, boy, said he's knocked out, discouraged, <laughs> disgusted, taking some angel food cake. Woke him up. <laughs> he looked Went back to sleep. Brother, he was fagged out. If the angel had woke me up, I'd have stayed awake a week, awake a week, I think. But he went right back to sleep. I guess he'd seen more angels than I have. But uh, he loves us. Send us angel food cake, you know. It might not have been but cherry pie or something, you know. He he just cares, you know. That's not the only time that happened to me. When I was going through my darkest valley 21 years ago, I was so depressed, and I'd preached four camp meetings, I think, that year, and building a new church. And I just, uh, sitting in California, and just, my strength just left me. I just went limp. I was so weak. And for a hundred days, I went through that, that valley. And, but during that time, I said, Now, Lord, I said, I want to ask you something. I said, Do you really love me? I said, I know your Bible said you did, but. I said, don't tell me. I said, I'm so mixed up, I might not even hear right. I said, move on somebody else. One of my deacons was in the woods that day, fasting, praying for me. And the Lord said, Billy, he never had the Lord speak to him before. He prayed a good prayer warrior, but the Lord never talked to him like that. I mean, he just spoke. said, Billy, go tell your pastor I love him. And he called his sister, and he said, that's a strange experience. He said, I stand there praying fast, and the Lord said, go tell your pastor. I love him. He said, if Brother Barnes knows anything, he knows that. And we are too, you know. His sister said, you go tell him. I have the letter. I've kept it all these years. The same day I asked for somebody to come, he sent him. Oh, he loves his preachers. He loves the preacher's wife, too. She keeps his hand on them. Oh, I don't think we could get too far without them. The real blessings God has blessed us with great, great women to help us in the ministry. But we was talking at the breakfast table. They brought it up. During this time, I was going through this terrible... A time of depression. Uh, before that, people come through the healing line depressed. I'd say, pray for them, go on, you know. But I stop them now. Hey, it's terrible to get depressed. I've never been depressed since. I had a lot of reasons to, but I didn't. But that night, in the vision, 
my tape, you may have heard it, The World's Highest Mountain. The black darkness of a murky, black, foamy old water was following me as I climbed the mountain. And I would climb and I'd give out, and here it would be, right at my feet. I climbed, and finally to the very top. And as I thought, surely I'm out of the way of that terrible thing. And suddenly it came up to my knees, world's highest mountain. Where are you going to go now? And the very winds that were blowing through the, the elements, it looked so stormy and black and dark. So ghostly it seemed that they would say, Give up! There's no need to fight. There's nowhere to go. You're on the world's highest mountain. And here it is. And then I saw a tidal wave coming. A hundred feet high. What you gonna do? Knee deep. A hundred foot wave coming. And the winds were just saying, See, Mike, give up. Why fight? Let go. Give in. Don't fight. And I said, what am I going to do? And I heard a voice break out of heaven like lightning. Thundered out. Have you forgot the power of the name? I come to myself. I felt myself, something go through me, and I said to that wave, in the name of Jesus, I command you to lay down. And it lay down at my feet like a kitten on the hearth of a far place, and the waters began to vanish from off the mountain, and suddenly the sun was shining, and the trees were in full bloom, and the birds were singing, and everything was great. And I've been in the sunshine ever since. Amen. He loves you. And there's no place to quit on the world's highest mountain knee deep. There's no place to give up. Fight, fight. God loves fighters, tough preachers, tough prophets. He wrote it down. He was just thrilled to death as David ran across that field with that slingshot. Watch my boy. Write it down. Let all the whole world hear about my boy. Bringing him down. Hallelujah. God said, look at my preacher down there. Look at him. Hey, devil, you thought you'd make him backslide, didn't you? When you turned them board members against him. Yeah, yeah. But he fought you, didn't he? He won, didn't he? I said, devil, he goes talking to me. I said, come here. I want to tell you about a few victories, boy. He said, I ain't got time today. I got to walk around a little. Roar a little. The old toothless lion. Jesus pulled his teeth. (laughs) And took his keys. That's why he's walking.
answer something I've been through. Ever since I got the Holy Ghost before I started preaching, and especially since I've been preaching, fasting has been part of my life, uh, part of my ministry. Uh, weekly fast, I've always set aside uh, at least different extended fasts every year. And to me, fasting and prayer goes to a lot together like faith and work. The last year or so, I don't know exactly, but I'd say the year, maybe even a year and a half, still in fasting, I fast. But I have fought battles in that one area that is totally unreal. I've went times where a seven-day fast was simple. Now, when I go on a one-day fast, it's literally like, like fighting the demons of hell. If I force myself, and I mean fight, go on a three-day fast. Literally, it seemed like my mind would just, I mean, almost almost explode at times. And I, I, I know there is power in fasting, just like there's power in prayer. And I thank myself to do that. But is it normal to go through times when, uh, I know I've been through times where prayer was extremely hard. But is it normal to go through times that this is in our life that walking with God. Because it hadn't always been like this. It hadn't always been to the extent. But it is a spiritual battle. And I know that there are things that God has wanted to get my ministry add to me that, that I know what I feel in prayer is only going to come in secluding and separation in fasting and prayer. To some men's ministry of fasting might not mean much, but to mine it's a part, it's a vital part. And and the devil is fighting me in this area work harder for the last year or so than any other area he's talking to me. And I just wonder if that's, if that's normal or could it happen. When the devil fights you, sure, he sees something ahead. Fasting, I know some preachers kill themselves fasting. You can overdo that. There's a time to all things. And fasting, don't you don't twist God's arm to make him heal or save. That's already in his plan. It just gets us ready to be sensitive to the voice of God. That's all. And uh, I learned that a long time ago. But let me tell you this. I was praying once, and I said, Lord, I don't understand. There's times I come into your presence and stay for a few moments and fade out. I don't know what's going on. And he said, you remember Peter when he's walking on the water? coming to me. I said, yes. He said, when he got his mind on the winds and the waves, he began to sink. He said, when you come into my presence, always remember, you keep your faith in my blood and not in your works and not in things around about you. He said, the moment you think I'm unworthy, you're doubting my blood. And you have to fade out. You can't bring fear into the most holy place where I'm at. You can't bring, bring doubt. You've got to have perfect faith when you come into my presence or you'll automatically just fade out. He said, have faith in my blood that you have been made worthy by my blood, not your good works out there, but by my blood. And when you walk into my presence, 
covered with my blood inside and out. You can stand in my presence and never have a feeling of fear or doubt because your faith is not in yourself but in my blood that keeps you before me. And I can't see any sins because the blood's there. I can't see anything because the blood's there. It's washed it away. Preachers, we cannot ever learn too much about the blood. Understanding the blood, plead the blood. That used to be often in our, in our old, in olden days, pleading the blood. But we may have gotten away from that. That's one of the great foundational doctrines. From Genesis to Revelation, you find the blood all the way through. Satan cannot stand the blood. He, that's the one thing he can't stay put around. That innocent, pure blood of Jesus. Now, I feel let to give you this. Maybe we want to close. Uh, maybe you've heard this tape. I don't know. But I, I got a revelation one day. I was a flash revelation. I saw the name of Jesus. And oh, what glory and power. I saw blood in the name. I saw the flashing Shekinah glory in it. And I began to pray, and I said, Now, Lord, why is that name so powerful? We use it. And he named five things to me. He said, My word's in it. It's the most powerful word that's ever been spoken, Jesus. When you say Jesus, that's the most powerful word. That's more powerful than all the rest of the words ever been spoken. Jesus. That's the power. Then he said, My blood's in it. Their salvation in no other name. Then he said, My all the authority in heaven and earth is in it and behind it. Then he said, My spirit's in it. Then he said something that staggered me. He said, My faith's in it. It'll work. The same faith that holds the universe together is in that name and behind that name. And when you say that name after praying and fasting, brother, and Satan sees you, call that name. He sees the eternal word. He sees the blood. He sees the authority behind it. And he sees the Shekinah glory and the faith of God. No wonder he goes. He has to go. That is our heritage. What the rod was to Israel, the name is to the church. Hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. One more question. Uh, in your earlier days, did you ever erect a sign T.W. Barnes campaign? And if so, what was your reaction to it? I sure did. Everybody else is putting up their signs. Robert's Heaton campaign, Branham's campaign. I got a sign painter. I was going to Arkansas to have one. And I paid $20. That's a lot of money then. Man, it was pretty. I hung that thing, Barnes Healing Campaign, across the front of the church. I backed up there by a tree. I was looking at it, admiring it. Never seen my name look so pretty in my life. All of a sudden, I hear something else. The Lord said, Barnes Healing Campaign. Never heard of one. (laughs) 
And he seemed to say, well, goodbye. I hope you have a good one. <laughs> I said, wait a minute. There ain't no such thing as a barn healing campaign, is it? It's a Jesus healing campaign. I said, that thing's coming down. I tore that buddy up. One name. He's a healer. It's not my name or anybody else's. It's the name of names, Jesus. And remember his face in it. <laughs> his face already there. It's a word. Oh, hallelujah. I feel power here. Hey, man, I feel the power. That name, there's something coming out of it now. The name. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you say it in faith, it flashes like a five mighty neon signs. And the kingdom of darkness is hurled back. The kingdom of darkness is can't stay when that name is called. What a heritage. No wonder we're baptized in it. It's our name. Did you know that's ours? That's my name. That's my spiritual name. I'm a child of the king. Amen. I have some rights. I have some authority. Amen. He gave me a a checkbook, already signed his name to us. Take it, son. Eat, drink, and be merry. Have a good time. Preach my gospel. Praise God. Now, let me tell you something. The Old Testament church had signs and miracles 24 hours a day. Why in the world don't we? It said this is a better covenant than they had. They had miracle bread for breakfast. They had miracle water. They had miracle light, miracle quails, you name it. They had it day and night. Could you imagine some Pentecostals over there eating miracle bread, drinking miracle water to wash it down, and belly aching? Where's all the things and the miracles of God? Oh, where be all the miracles? Hand me some more of that manna. Yeah. <laughs> Give me another jug of that water. Pull the curtain back a little while. I don't know what's happened to... Yeah. Pull the curtain back, wife. I don't know what's happened to God. I... I really don't. Let some of that light shine in. Miracle light. God help us. We bellyache. Eating and drinking and having a good time. We're not going to do it, are we? The call is for tough preachers. No shadow of turning. No compromise. Straight ahead. Pull in for your district. Back in your superintendent. Back in your presbyter. And then if you do that, your folks will back you. Yes, I notice the preacher that fights his leaders, the first thing you know, his members are fighting him. Amen. So, well, he don't cooperate with nobody. Why cooperate with him? Bang. Well, I ought to get off on that order. 
Yes, sir. The defense of the Roberts name, that Roberts Healing Campaign, wasn't George W. or <laughs> But I have kept feeling something I feel like that I'd like to bring. Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift that's within you. And you have reflected on gifts and prophecy many times here. Could you give us a little insight of the stirring up the gifts that are within us? Yes, uh, that's our biggest problem. God never called a preacher without giving him gifts. We just uh, get so busy, we don't keep them stirred up. And uh, it takes some prayer and get along with God to stir up the gifts. We can get so busy, we're too busy to fill up, you know. We get to driving down the highway, get so busy and so occupied. If it gets to stop at the gas station, well, after a while you'll stop where there's, where there's not a gas station. And uh, we need to take time, and our church needs to know that. There's a day to take off to go fishing. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't get to go much, but... It's all right to go. I went deer hunting one time. Stayed 30 minutes and didn't see one. Quit. <laughs> I like action, you know. But uh, then there's a day to set aside to just fellowship Jesus. That's right. We can fellowship one another and we are too. We are to love one another. Amen. Pull for one another. And I don't know when we was growing up, somebody hit my brother just well to hit me. Somebody hit him, uh, well, uh, hit me that just well to hit him. We were together. We fought for one another. And we need to do that. But at the same time, he's talking about fasting a while ago. There's a time to fast, to stir it up, to make sensitive to it. I... Pray for ministers. I lay my hands on them sometimes, and bang, I said, Oh, some mighty gifts there lying dormant. God give them to them, and they didn't study and pray and work with it, you know. Just uh, got too busy, you know, out here trying to help other people. You can backslide leading prayer meetings, you've got to have one of your own, just you. You can backslide getting good sermons. You need to get one for yourself every once in a while. Like old Moses. Oh, I check up on myself. Now, Lord, I want to know how I'm getting along with you. And one of those gifts starts stirring, moving. And you, well, you know God's there in a special way. Anybody can put a sermon together every now and then, you know. Sometimes we put them together fast, and sometimes we put them together slow, and sometimes we preach like a house of fire, and sometimes we preach like a ice wagon. We're just not there. You know how it is. You just miss it somewhere. But that's the secret, stirring up the gift. I see men that I know has gifts of healing. I know they have the gift of faith. And I go and I listen, and I don't see it in action. And then, though it's lying dormant, all it needs is a good stirring up. 
if my Jesus got along for 40 days and 40 nights praying. I don't mean you got to fast 40 days, but there's seasons to get along with God. And I don't know. Satan said, if you're the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. A lot of the great uh, so-called healers went down because he's turning stones to bread, getting rich. But Jesus said it's written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I need to have a living word coming to me, not just to my church. i got to have some of that. Then he came and said, if you're the Son of God, jump off of this pinnacle. Oh, you'd have worldwide acclaim. You'd be, oh, everybody would just, your name would be on the front page of the paper and everywhere. God may want to put your name on the front page, but he may not be ready yet. There's a time for that, too. But he said it's written. Now, Jesus could have talked about, say, devil, don't you know all the miracles I've performed? Don't you know all about the... Uh, vision, don't you know about the dove appearing and uh, John the Baptist? About, he didn't mention a thing about it. He just said it's written. Then he said, if you'll just fall down and worship me, I'll give you the world, all of its kingdoms. The devil is coming at you with something. It could be money. It could be power. It could be the opposite sex. It could be a lifted up spirit to hinder you and to cut you off before you reach the peak that God has called you to go. There's many men in the gutter that have been turning cities upside down now, Brother Craft, had they walked on with God. There's no greater call than the one you have. There's not a preacher here. On the sound of my voice, if you call to preach, you don't have a gift in your life. He don't call a man to preach and send him out with nothing. When he calls you to preach, I don't know which ones he put there, but he put some there. Amen. Oh, God. Oh, God. Bless your ministers today and their wives. Let the heavens open and the glory of God come down.